and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the boyfriend. And I'm Drew. This is a belated birthday present to me, really, isn't it, it's this episode? It's two, two years in the making, belated birthday present, yes. <laughs> so, on uh, 17th of March, 2020, mm-hmm. I turned 30. Yes. And I was gifted tickets to be more chill mm-hmm. which of course as i opened that present knew was never gonna happen i know i'm really sorry um hilariously because it closed on march 16th of 2020 yes and i was sat there on your birthday like oh okay yes because we were supposed to see it in march 23rd which is when the entire world fell apart yeah like yeah. england went into its first lockdown but here we are it is August 3rd, 2021. Yep. And not only are we going to go see Be More Chill, mm-hmm. we're going to sit in the squib zone. Woo. Whatever that means. Whatever that means, yes. It means we get a collectible. I like collectibles. <laughs> yes, me too. That's why I booked these tickets for us. <laughs> right. So, we are indeed watching Be More Chill this week. What do you already know about it? Michael in the bathroom by himself. Yep. I have certainly played that song a lot in yep. the car. Um, it's like teen drama where you can get an implant called a squib and it makes you smart. Sure. Well, it, it, it changes your genetic code so that you are more than human. Okay. Kind of like... So I don't know if it means that you could be a better athlete. Like, does it work on that side of your brain? So, you know, it unlocks your potential for running or weightlifting or football. But it certainly makes you smarter. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like invasion of the body snatchers in the sense of it starts with like a few people. And then it's like, oh, who do we trust? Who hasn't been squibbed? Yeah. Sure. And we have Michael, who's the best friend of the main character, mm-hmm. who is usually, like, best friends. But because our character gets a squib, Michael ends up, like, you know, by himself and a little bit more anxious. Because, like, this is the whole you want to fit in with the crowd, that that teen dilemma of do I be true to me? And maybe not have as many friends as I'd like, or do I do whatever I can to fit in with a popular crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, That's called a squib, by squib. the way. Okay. <laughs> a squib is something else. <laughs> that's um, Harry Potter, isn't it? Yes. Squib, yeah. Okay. So that's kind of what I know. It feels mm-hmm. like, I guess this is probably going to be more like Little Shop of Horrors in the sense of like Seymour with Audrey 2 listens and feeds until it gets too much and i'd imagine our main character is going to have like this squip that kind of tells him what to do is right Mm -hmm. so the squip takes the audrey 2 role yeah um i think it's got to end like positively yeah i know that we get the brilliant bit at the end where it's like michael makes an entrance yeah so the reception for this critics called it Little Shop of Horrors meets teenage drama. Yay! So, I've never read that review before. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. 
So Be More Chill is based on a book. It's based on a novel, same name, that came out in 2004, written by Ned Bizzini. And the musical was picked up in 2015, where it had a where it had a regional theatre production and then the off-Broadway musical premiered in 2018 and then went to Broadway in 2019. So this is some time in the making. Yeah, this is one of maybe the newest shows we've seen. Mm-hmm. It's not the newest, I would say. Obviously, Cinderella's Cinderella, the newest. Yeah. Um, and then Pride and Prejudice is mm-hmm. up there as well as one of the newer ones, but certainly it's within that kind of time frame of brand new musicals being made because the be more chill that we were supposed to see was the first time it'd come to the uk yeah so it is kind of like a premiere Mm -hmm. yes so we've got music and lyrics by joe iconis who wrote some of the songs for smash which you haven't seen but also black suits plant that ate dirty socks which is like a comedy silly thing uh, Blood Song of Love, the rock and roll spaghetti western, which is better than you would think based on the title. And then things like Things to Ruin, Broadway Bounty Hunter, Love and Hate Nation, stuff like that. But he's won a lot of awards for his musical theatre writing. And the book is by Joe Trust, but it is based on the novel. Yeah. So it is all very heavily taken from the novel. The 2015 premiere was in New Jersey. Cool. And then that ran from May until the end of June. And then it was taken over to an off-Broadway tryout. But it didn't receive another production. So they thought it was going to be remade to go to off-Broadway because they were just doing tryouts, basically. They thought they were going to recast and uh, replace everyone and have... Like the entire thing redone, new stage, new everything. However, that didn't happen until a cast recording of the original production entered the Billboard album charts in the top 10 in July of 2017 because a whole bunch of people online found it and it suddenly became this huge deal of a musical where, funnily enough, the... uh, internet is what was making it big despite the themes of that in the show so almost kind of like jesus christ superstar in that it was a show that shouldn't have been made yeah but the recording picked up momentum to a point where we have something here and we need to capitalize on it yeah so in the same way as we've talked about before with beetlejuice that the cast album of Beetlejuice led to them having more of an online presence, yeah. which then led to them getting a lot more traction and a lot more showings because people online wanted to see it. People were going specifically to see this musical in New York. So they reopened. They featured a lot of the main cast, um, but they hired a couple of new cast members, including a new actor to play the lead role and a new actor to play the squip amongst a few others. How well would that have been received if people are going just to kind of, like, almost as if it's a concert-type vibe? Well, by this point, people had... The other actors had other jobs. Okay. So it's not like they were replaced. They were busy. That's fair, that's fair. Yeah. Because this is almost like... It is... 
less going to see a bit of theatre. It is more on par with, I really like this band. I really like this album. I want to see it live. Mm. It's far more concert vibe. Yeah. Well, if you think about Six, people love very specific queens and very specific performers playing those characters. Yeah. And you're never going to get to see a performance where you have all of your favourites playing all of the specific queens, unless you went to see the original, in which case, congratulations. <laughs> but they, you know, everybody has sort of their favourite performer. And with this, it didn't become as much of a big deal that you didn't get to see who you wanted, except for that everybody loves George Salazar and he plays Michael. So he was the original Michael. They had him return for the off-Broadway and then stay on for the Broadway production. He also then went on to be in The Lightning Thief, nice. the Percy Jackson musical, which was great. And he's fantastic in that. He's just a wonderful performer. Yeah. And hilariously, he did a 54 Below where he sang Suddenly Seymour. So little connections for you there. On September 5th, 2018, the Broadway production was announced and it previewed at the Lyceum Theatre and ran from February of 2019 until August 11th, 2019, which is 177 performances and 30 previews, which is pretty good. It's a good run. Yeah. And then it was announced for London, September 29th, 2019, at the Other Palace Theatre. They announced that they would be doing... Be more chill. And it was a very strict season. It wasn't going to be a staying here permanently. It was going to be a maybe mm. three months. Yeah, it was a short run. Yeah. And it was supposed to go on until May, February to May, but it actually ended up closing... In March. In March, which is very sad. Yes. But on May 14th, 2021... It was announced that the production would transfer to the West End, which is where we're seeing it. May 14th, 2021, that's how I got the tickets. Yes, indeed. It opened on the 30th of June and is set to close on September 5th, 2021. Yeah. Which is great. I know that this is one a lot of students I teach like. I can understand why. Yeah. I, but then again, this is teen drama. There's always something a bit more... It's a coming-of-age story. Yeah. Of course they connect with it. Well, it's the same way that when, you know, with, with films, the teen comedies, they are for that market because it's kind of like, a, hey, you're going through this in a heightened way mm -hmm. that kind of maybe makes you feel better about your place in the great circle of life. Yeah, because it's like, oh, other people feel this. Yeah, but also it's like you look at what happens when you get popularity and like the compromises you have to do to attain it and it's not worth it. Hmm. So the, you know, good teen comedies like that, good teen dramas like that need to, I think, show you what it's like on the other side. But then by the end of it, win you over to the fact that you should be happy where you're at and just continue being yourself because mm -hmm. that's the best. Yeah. I was introduced to the show through TikTok. Yeah, I can imagine that this is a one that would have had a big TikTok. It had a huge TikTok following, but I saw clips of the original show with specifically Michael in the bathroom, that song, and yeah. was immediately like, oh, this makes sense. It is the ultimate anxiety, anxiety attack, attack song. Yeah. And it's great. It's a it's a beautiful song because it is like it is like you say, it captures all that back and forth pre 
anxiety attack and you feel the it. way you talk to yourself yeah. in your head it, it 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 does feel like it comes from somebody who suffers from anxiety mm-hmm. you know like it does feel like this is an ownership of what it's like and it's okay but these are the signs to feel yeah if you feel yourself stepping closer to that edge mm-hmm. so we i then heard things like the smartphone hour which i i think i've Played you played bits, around but I you. tend to zone out if I don't actually know what the musical is we're listening to when you drive. That's fair enough. The Smartphone Hour is great. It's a parody of a song from Bye Bye Birdie. And then you have things like the Squip song, which is amazing. I love Play Rehearsal, which is like the ultimate Manic Pixie Dream Girl introduction to a character. And I say that in oh, yeah, the most loving Oh yeah, he's in love way. with a girl who does theatre. Yes, of course. And then things like More Than Survive. So the does the squip song. make him a better actor? Does that make him part of the society? Like I'm part not of, telling you. You know, it's like you'd have this episode on High School Musical, the musical, the series, where there's this character that, you know, has just been kind of lame throughout, tries but doesn't get further and then just shows up one day and is suddenly good. And you know that there's been some kind of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Hocus pocus, you know. Sure. <laughs> some squip. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this one. Um, I think I've seen a few pictures of what the stage looks like mm. at the Shaftesbury Theatre because it's quite a small theatre. Yeah. The the stage looks amazing. It looks very um, high tech, you know, like, I think that's... That, that's I a think the word you're looking for is Tron. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a weird thing to say it's like high tech and futuristic when it's inspired I, by 70s. I think Tron was like right on the money with what they thought like high-tech futuristic things would look like yeah and i think i'm i'm really excited to you know see what the story is actually like all put together because i know that the songs i have heard the only one that i can remember right off off the top of my head is is michael in the bathroom Mm -hmm. but i know i've listened to other songs and i've liked the vibe of them yeah so I, I'm 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 excited to finally get a chance to see this one because it obviously had its time on Broadway in 2019. Mm-hmm. Was it eligible for any Tonys? It was nominated for one Tony Award, which it did not win. Which <laughs> it did not win. It was in 2019, but then it was also nominated for Drama Desk Awards and Outer Critics Circle Awards and Off Broadway Alliance Awards. The only thing it won was at the Lucille Lortel Awards for Outstanding Featured Actor in a Musical, which was George Salazar for Michael, which is kind of hilarious. I mean, do you feel it's fair that it didn't get like more acclaim at the Tonys? Um, no, because it's really good. It just falls into the sort of section of this is for kids. In the same way that like Horton hit, uh, not it's not called Horton his or who, it's called Seuss Call. Yeah. Didn't do very well because people were like, oh, this is aimed at children. However, it was up against Hades Town, Beetlejuice, The Prom, Tootsie, and A2 Proud. And Hades Town. Like, yeah. Swept it. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those unfortunate years where it could go anywhere. Yeah. And maybe if it'd come out a year earlier, mm-hmm. it would have done far better in that kind of circles because yeah because there wasn't much else i i it's the same thing you see with academy awards though isn't it is the fact that 
there is a real stigma against something that's perceived as being for children because arguably Toy Story 3 is one of the best films ever made. And that isn't just a kid's film. That goes above being just a kid's film. Mm -hmm. But because it is a Pixar, Disney animation, it gets seen as this is for kids. I, I remember being really hyped when it was nominated it was up for best film yeah at the academy awards and it should have won but of course it was never going to because it is a kids film and that's the difference you know it's a shame to see it goes across all sorts of media mm-hmm. you know i think if something obviously i've not seen be more chill so i can't really comment on that but if something does prompt something in you and hold up yeah in the way that toy story 3 does mm. To just say it's a kid's film kind of demeans everything. The art that's gone into it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know. we also then have a little bit of a controversy attached to it with the Tony Awards because of the 10 nominated musicals, yeah. Be More Chill was the only one not to have a performance or a segment on the show. Oh, really? And James Corden was the host. And actually, that year had a really nice opening. I love the opening to this one. Is this before he became, like, oversaturated? Irritating, yes. It's before <laughs> before that. But it was him, Josh Groban, and Sarah Bareilles did a parody of Michael in the Bathroom. And, like, that was, like... It was, like, a joke kind of thing. Joe Iconis, the composer, was the only nominee from the show at all. And he praised the parody for like giving the show exposure. But a lot of the fans criticised the award ceremony for not giving it credit, not mentioning that, oh, that was a song from Be More Chill, because they didn't. And also from not crediting the show at all. It was never mentioned, except for when Joe Iconis won his Tony Award. So people were very upset and wondering why this had happened and it just falls into that little box of sort of snubbing the something that is a show about teenagers whose target audience is teenagers. Well, I mean, I guess we see it again with the 2020 slash 2021 Tonys where Lightning Thief kind of gets nothing. Yeah. Also with George Salazar. But, you know, the fact that there is such a limited kind of choice for that year Mm -hmm. and we have Moulin Rouge up for best actor with no one else. Yeah. And I, it does, you look at that and you think, I think it starts to show more of this problem and more of this bias. Mm-hmm. You know, who's to, who's to say what is art? Yeah. You know, does Moulin Rouge really have way more than Lightning Thief? Which so, is an original. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, the worst thing was Charlotte St. Martin the Broadway League chief, spoke at the Tony Awards about the importance of getting young people into theatre and getting them to the theatre because they can be your biggest audience because look at Beetlejuice. Look how all of their fans found them. It's all through TikTok and Twitter and Tumblr and well, look those at things. Ratatouille the musical. Exactly. Like... And then ignored a musical that was doing just that. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, it doesn't. And... You know, I'm not too familiar with the awards that are based in the UK, but it'd be really nice if this version of Be More Chill mm. kind of gets some praise and, you know, 
gets that reception. Again, I might come back after this and be like, <laughs> Tony's dodged a bullet there. You know, we're talking, uh, this is the beauty of this section of the show is we're talking before I've ever seen it. Yeah. I, I could come out tonight and absolutely hate Be More Chill and be like, I don't get the hype. And I would be so interested to know. Um, and, and therefore have to rescind everything I've just said, you know? Yeah. Like, oh no, the Tonys did right. <laughs> maybe I'll have a squip and maybe that's when my Tony brain will activate. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's time that we head into London. Yeah. You know, it's, it's ironic that it's quite a warm day today, mm-hmm. you know, so hopefully it will be a bit more chill in the theatre. Yes, indeed. But we will be back to discuss another live piece of theatre after the intermission. We are back. We are back. We're very tired. Yes, indeed. <laughs> this is not recording after we get back from the theatre. We got back at midnight. This is recording the next day. Yes. It's a little behind the scenes tidbit. But yeah, I had a great time. Me too. I'm so glad you enjoyed this. Yeah, this is fantastic. I think... I think it's one that... It's so translatable. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see this working on film, you know, like as a it, it, like the Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. You know that it's a small enough cast, but it's so like cute enough. You know, like it's just that kind of quaint, quirky musical, quirky horror musical type thing. But just. The staging of this was fantastic. I loved how minimal it was. That there was more reliance on the digital backdrop than there was on actual props and scenery. But it really worked for this show. Mm-hmm. You know, the the emphasis on like technology and having this backdrop that sets the world brilliantly. You know, in the little um, Matrix esque green and black. To create like lockers, to create oh, bleachers, to create houses. And then as the play gets more frantic, how that starts becoming more erratic mm-hmm. was just fantastic. And I think we've talked before how much I love a digital backdrop. This, I think, was even more spectacular for it. That we're not having these big elaborate um, changes of scene but you're watching it and the backdrop becomes a character in itself, which when we're talking about the squip, it's almost like the backdrop is the squip as well. Yeah. I thought it was very, very cool. I just loved it. It's really cool. I don't always like digital backdrops. And if 
if we we see some musicals that use it now that's becoming more and more common because obviously you don't have to change your flies yeah. all the time and you don't have to bring set pieces on and off it's a nice simple way to set a scene which i approve of i think it's a good idea i just don't like the way it's used in certain no. shows and i don't think it's important to be in everything cinderella didn't have a digital backdrop it had traditional sets and that worked yeah and having a digital backdrop for Cinderella would have actually been counterproductive. Mm -hmm. But this works because of the tone, because, you know, a, a lot of the music in this is quite electric as well, you know? Yeah, it sounds like there's a load of stuff that sounds like a theremin. Actually, I, I need to look and see what they had in the band, yeah. but definitely sounds like there's a theremin in there. It's all very electro-pop. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's the best way that you can put it, is it is very electro-pop. Mm -hmm. But it works so much because of it that the whole vibe of this is this, like, Tron electric nightmare. And I yeah. loved it. So when we got into the theatre, one of the things I really love, I, I, I much prefer it when you see the stage already. Mm -hmm. I know that's personal choice. I know for some people they quite like the idea of curtains being pulled and then the lights going down the curtains kind of going up i really like it when there is something there to set the world before it even starts yeah definitely. so when i staged narnia mm -hmm. i had it that the curtains were pulled but the only thing you could actually see was the wardrobe itself so that was all it was the curtains were pulled but you had the wardrobe center stage yeah because i thought that that in itself is setting the world. It's just an innocuous wardrobe. We, you know, we know what's going to happen, but we're kind of interested. Mm -hmm. With this, all we had was be more chill up on the back, which you'd said you'd never noticed that the uh, eye in chill had the squip. Yeah, it has the pill at the yeah. top of it. And we have a desk. We have a laptop. We have everything uh, a teenage boy might need on his desk yes i said to you before it started i reckon we'll get blackout mm -hmm. and then the lights will come up and suddenly someone will be there oh yeah and sure enough it was yes and you were very pleased very very pleased i, I nailed the opening with my director brain mm -hmm. and we get our first number which is more than survive which is such a phenomenal opening number because the energy is fantastic, but also there is enough exposition into the world that instantly I know who all these characters are. I know what kind of the stakes are in this world. It's not life or death. It literally is just, I want to survive high school. Mm -hmm. And it's noticing that our lead character, Jeremy, doesn't fit in is an outsider and is frustrated with his lot in life. Yeah. We also meet his dad. His poor dad. His poor dad, who instantly, you can tell, is depressed. Yeah, super depressed. Because he doesn't wear pants. Yeah, he has reached a point where he cannot even get dressed or leave the house. And Jeremy says to him, you're supposed to be driving me to school today. And he says, oh, it's going to be one of those days, buddy. I'm just not up for leaving the house. Yeah. Which, fair. Oh, absolutely. But Mood. it starts a trend with Jeremy that you notice more and more as everything goes on. 
he's so absorbed with his own problems. He has no concept that anybody else could be feeling anything. Exactly. He has no awareness that other people are actually feeling the same kind of weakness that he feels. You know, that they're, they're struggling to make it through their day-to-day lives. Mm. But he's so absorbed in himself, he thinks he's the only one who could possibly feel that way. Which I do think is a very teenage thing sometimes. Absolutely. Especially because his problems aren't real problems. Not compared to other people's problems, no. Especially within the world of the show. Compared to other people's problems, he's fine. Yeah. Which, obviously, pain is relative and all of that. But there are certain things that make you take a step back and look at your life and your own problems and think, okay, I can fix this. But this is the thing is obviously as well, yes, problems are relative, but when you suffer with anxiety, depression, Mm. obviously the smaller things become bigger things. Yeah. But it never feels like Jeremy is a victim. It never feels like Jeremy is somebody who struggles with depression or anxiety. No. Like other characters in this world do. Yeah. It does feel far more like teenage obnoxiousness Mm -hmm. you know which is very interesting when you look at like the rest of the cast and the rest of the players who all seem to have some kind of legitimate issue in their life yeah here's the thing i'm gonna say it now before we go any further i don't like jeremy no i can see why i don't understand why we're supposed to because we are yeah, because he's our... You know, he gets the girl. He's the hero. But he And he's also our, like, access to this world. Mm-hmm. We watch it. We go through this experience through him, which I guess we have to, because if we were Michael, we wouldn't be... If we were Michael, Jeremy's the villain. But, but also, if we're Michael, who is squipless, mm-hmm. we don't actually get to see the experience of what it is to have a squip. We have to follow Jeremy. Yeah. So he is... I guess, the antagonist and the protagonist Mm -hmm. in the fact that he's got to go through this experience to come out the other side a better person. Yeah. And he does, I feel, come out a better person. I don't dislike him, but there are certainly other characters I like more in this. Yes. There's some really brilliant moments with this, again, like to showcase the physical theatre in this when they get on the bus Mm -hmm. and they're just there and they all tilt on stage and they're like bobbing up and down as if they're on the bus. The backdrop again is turning brilliantly. Yeah. The choreography for this is so nice, especially because you have to match your choreography to the backdrop as it's happening because nobody's going to slow the backdrop down for no, you. No, because that's all pre-programmed. You have to get it right. Which I did notice mostly during um, two play a game. Two play a game, mm-hmm. but that's not through anyone's fault. I think it's just it's a very obvious thing that you kind of. Spot and you look out for. Yeah, I feel this is a good song. You know, we do meet all the key players. We meet uh, Christine. Yep, Christine. Who's I love Christine. She's fantastic. This is where I noticed that they actually removed part of this song. Oh, really? Because obviously, I I've been listening to the Broadway cast recording since that started. Yeah. And they got rid of the Jenna, Brooke, Chloe conversation that happens in the middle of this. And in this version, it's just, what's he staring at? 
and then he like runs away and that's it that was this whole like minute long conversation cut down to one line yeah which is fine but it does give us some more introduction to jenna yeah but i'll live yeah i i i liked our meeting with rich you mm-hmm. know establishes him as this kind of school bully character yeah you know every high school is gonna have one so very quickly we establish him we meet uh jake we meet chloe we meet jenna we meet brooke who are the popular kids yep and it's very much in passing but it's enough that we know who these characters are and we can now move on mm-hmm. i really liked i love plate rehearsal yes at first when this song started i thought this was going to be one that i kind of get bored of Mm-hmm. but it's just perfect because it's it's so so well done for christine like this is her world this is everything that she has her energy is just so unique and interesting you can see why jeremy's like into her this is like the ultimate theater kid dialogue oh yeah it's absolutely so funny. she's so sweet there's a really nice bit where she grabs his hand and puts it up on her chest but he's got a bit more of her it's on her heart yeah exactly so it's on her heart but he's having an anxiety and it's like the attack. way he's like squirming you can see that that kind of teenage male discomfort i i just thought there were small things like that that made it seem very very realistic mm-hmm. as well and you know we may not like jeremy as a character but scott Foden was fantastic as jeremy yeah like the mannerisms the the uh development of the character was fantastic Mm-hmm. I just I really liked it. This is a really fun song. Yeah, I, I I just really enjoyed it. We get to know the character really well. We she says something about how she has ADD. Yeah, I also have a touch of ADD. <laughs> she, yep, <laughs> she's such like a quirky character. Mm-hmm. But in a in a non-manic pixie dream girl way where it's like this is just who she is and she like embraces all of the weirdness but also in a way that isn't poking fun at your audience Mm -hmm. this is one that with the wrong actor in the role could become very over the top Mm -hmm. kind of poke fun at your audience who are theater kids do you remember how I really didn't like Kinky Boots, the yeah. love interest? Because I just felt like her mannerisms were too much. Mm-hmm. Christine as a character could go that way. Yeah. With the wrong direction, with the wrong actor in the role. It doesn't. It it never goes too far. You're like, this is just so awkward and off-putting. It's always enough that it's just like, oh, she's so endearing and so sweet and... She rocks, and I'm rooting for her, mm-hmm. you know? This is a really nice song. I really like when Mr. Ray's just comes forward, and he just says, Now that the popular kids are here, we can begin. One of the things I meant to mention and talk about before we go post-play rehearsal is the introduction of Michael during I Just Want to Survive. I was going to say, is it here or was it slightly earlier that Christine points out that he has Boyf written on his backpack? I think it's pre-Michael's entrance. It's pre-Michael's entrance. Yeah. No, it, it's here, but she's 
so confusing. I can't remember where it happens. I feel like it's during More Than Survive. So Yeah, because he comes on and he does his bit like to Bob Marley, but I don't yeah. think they have each other's bags or look at each other's bags yet. They don't until the song ends. And it's the end of More Than Survive. It's in between that and I see my converse walking over there before he yeah. signs up for the play. But Michael's entrance is amazing. Oh God, it's obviously. a great introduction to, you know, who probably is the most likable character. And the best loved character. Yeah, but it's a really nice entrance. You get the deal with his whole vibe, his costume. And the costumes for everyone throughout the show are amazing. Oh my god, I'm obsessed with this hoodie though. But his hoodie is fantastic. I just love all the little patches. He has Oswald! I know he has Oswald, which is such a, you know, throwback. Like, it says so much about his character that Mm -hmm. that's one of the you know, Disney characters he'd resonate with. Yes. But I think you could do so much just with the dressing of this character to give him all these old fashioned, Mm -hmm. say old fashioned, but like patches like I would have, you know, but he's definitely like been born 10 years too late or something, you know? Yeah. He also has a pride flag. And he has two mums. Yeah, he has gay moms. It's great. Which I think is great. It's it's a minor detail, but it's considering we never meet his mothers. No. It was a really good entrance. Yeah, so Rich previously has written on Boyf. the back of Jeremy's bag. He hasn't looked at it yet. And Christine points out and is like, hey, I think somebody wrote Boyf on your backpack. What and does that even mean? Panics. He shows it to Michael and he's like, what does that even mean? And, and Michael has reams written on him. Yeah, his. and he just like, his smile lights up. Like he's, he's like, like my mothers will be thrilled. Yeah, I, I just loved the introductions and the bits with him. Um, I don't know. Obviously, we're writing notes after Act 1 ends and on the train home. So it's not in the same way that I would write notes in the same way. But I have the, the note of Michael's entrance. You know, Michael makes a great a- entrance. Every time. Um, so, yes, Mr. Ray's comes in. Mm-hmm. Once all the popular kids have sat down. Because it looked like we were going to have just two kids at play rehearsal. But he comes in and says, now that the popular kids are here, we can begin. And he outlines his vision for Midsummer we Night's Dream. A Midsummer Nightmare about zombies. Yeah. And Christine is like, you can't mess with the words of Shakespeare. Yeah, don't you care about Shakespeare at all? He's dead. Let it go. And I love the fact that this is a line that's said in the theatre that is going to be showing Anne Juliet. Yeah, which is great. The programme for uh, Be More Chill does say as well, thank you to Gareth Owen for the use of the Anne Juliet sound system and Howard Hudson for the use of the Anne Juliet lighting rig. That's nice. So I think that's very, very cool. But just a funny little line to talk about Shakespeare, mm. considering we're in a theatre that's going to be showing a... And Juliet next. An adapted version of, of William Shakespeare's works. Yes, indeed. Our next song is the Squip song. And this is where we... No. Our next song is More Than Survive Reprise. So that's when we have maybe Michael's entrance. No, no. So... <laughs> This is a weird little one because it's not officially on the soundtrack list where we have little in-between songs that don't fall onto the official list but happen. So More Than Survive Reprise is him being like, okay, great, now Christine's flirting with Jake and Christine doesn't care about me. Yeah. It's like, 
Good for you, my friend. Yeah, because he's madly in love with Christine, but Christine hasn't really noticed She's too him good before. for him. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> and then we go into the script song. Mm-hmm. And we have more where Richie is going to bully Jeremy, but suddenly stops because the script is saying to him to stop, stop, stop. Because Jeremy seems like the kind of person who needs his own squip. And yeah. Rich says that. He's like, oh, my squip was telling me to bully you this whole time yeah. because you're a loser and it would make me look better. But now it recognises that... You are somebody who could use one of these. Yeah. I feel like his vibe and costume is a personal attack on me. <laughs> as soon as he walked out. So he's wearing those sort of ribbed jeans yep where they have the ribbing put in which personally i love as an aesthetic style clearly and then he has a t-shirt that has been cut into a tank top so it's got really low sides and in later scenes he does wear like plaid shirts yeah he wears a plaid shirt but he also has like a little bandana that he wears around his head which you own that bandana but he also has a deadpool belt buckle he also has some Fake tattoos, obviously. They're not real tattoos. They're yeah. the sort of ones that kids have that you stick the transfers on. He has the Green Goblin. He has Green Goblin. He has Pickle Rick. Mm-hmm. And he also has 69 on his on his arm. That one's less me, I will, I will confess. Well, but the other thing he has is he has the Knights Templar symbol. Yeah, he's an Assassin's Creed player. That's what I think it is. Is that what you think it is? Because yeah. I was like... I didn't see that symbol, so I don't know for sure which one you're referring to, but... I mean, it's it's this. Yeah, so it's probably an Assassin's Creed thing. <laughs> I googled it. I just... Yeah. I was like, so are we saying, you know, people who like all of this stuff are losers? And are, you know, like tryhards and all that sort of thing? Because I know that yes. there's a very toxic culture... We're associated with things like Deadpool, with, you know, when people look up to villains. like One of those things Goblin, that can go either way. Yeah, with Rick and Morty. You know, I'm fully aware of how toxic those fandoms can be. Mm-hmm. I like them. They are things that I am a fan of. Here's my theory, though. Yeah. <laughs> I think that Rick got these tattoos. Richie. That's so rich. I think that Rich got these tattoos before he got a squid. Because they're nerdy things. The, yeah. the, having a green goblin tattoo, I think that of all the ones that is on there, that is the nerdiest one. I didn't, it took me the longest time to realise what it was because I was looking at it. Is that a Joker or is that a green goblin? It's the green goblin. Because it's very it's like got the hat. purpley. Yeah. The first one that stands out immediately is Pickle, Pickle Rick. Rick. Yeah. That is real funny though. It is funny. And I, think it's I wonder a really how often t- they change what tattoos he has. Well, they must change. Fairly frequently, just to keep it as up to date as possible. Because I think this is the sort of show that you want it to be as up to date as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, this realistically is quite timeless. Yeah. You know, you could perform this in ten years' time and set it in ten years' time, and it'll still be relevant. Exactly. So they probably will change as much as they can, but I think, you know, he he must have got them pre-script. But then these the they're not in college yet, so they are. They're in their junior year. Jeremy specifically says a junior on the bus is kill a week. So he's a junior. So they're, it's 
I always do this every time we talk about American high schools. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. So they have their junior year left because this show ends before Christmas. Yeah, so this is basically just before where High School Musical it's 1 starts. Term, semester 1. Yeah, so... Yeah. And then they have another year and a half left. Yeah. So, yeah. So they shouldn't be legally they should getting be able tattoos. To get tattoos. No. <laughs> so, Unless they're all just stick-ons. Unless they are just stick-ons. Who knows? Uh, I, I think the choreography for this sequence is great. I love the whole talking about what the squip is and the you know the way they move their hands across mm-hmm. and then up. You know, it's very uh, rigid and very like rectangular, yes. for lack of a better term. But it feels very like computery. Yeah. So this is a a specific style of dance called tutting. We're, or finger tutting, but tutting as a whole is where you use your whole body to do this dance move. It's a street dance style that's based on sort of angular movements, and it's supposed to stylize poses seen on reliefs in ancient Egyptian art. And the tut part of it is a reference to King Tut. Yeah. It's tutting. Cool. Which is really cool. It's a very cool performance style. Yeah, I re- what I really like about this is just the fact that Jeremy can't get it right as well. So Jeremy's trying to like figure it all out. Yeah. Um, but Richie offers him a squip, says it's going to cost £600 if he's interested. He explains what a squip is. Uh, it's a super quantum processor in a pill. Super <laughs> quantum unit intel processor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in that. It's a grey oblong pill. And it's... From, from Japan. Japan. Yeah. And he's heavily considering it at this point. So Jeremy, uh, obviously... Oh, that's... this is great. This isn't on the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, which, obviously, I have listened to extensively, but you don't know so well. But on the soundtrack, the song ends when Rich ends singing. We don't have this little extra bit where you have Jeremy very quietly sing... It's from Japan. And then he starts trying to get yeah, it done. Yeah, I like that. It's very much like he's trying to process what it is he's been he's told. He's like convincing himself about it. Yeah. Yes. And then we cut to Jeremy's bedroom. Yes. And him and Michael are playing some retro Nintendo zombie game. Yep. What was it called? Apocalypse of the Damned? I don't think it's a real game. No. But that's what it's called. Yeah. I, I could fully believe that it's a game that never came out and somehow... Michael's been able to track down like 100%. the the one like cartridge and play it. I like them sat on the bean bags. I like that the bean bag chairs have backs so that they can actually get back up from these chairs. Yeah. Oh yeah, because there's a few you points where Jeremy's like falling yeah. down. He has to sit up and reposition himself. I love that Michael's got his little Pac-Man tattoo. His energy is just so cute. Yeah. His vibe is so cute. You can just see like he's he 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 knows he's not. The most popular kid, but he doesn't care. He's having fun with his life. Mm-hmm. And I love this exchange between them when they're just being two friends. It's really, really important for the rest of the play that we have this scene. Mm-hmm. It felt very much like Variation 8 slash Children of Rock from School, School of Rock, Rock. where they're playing seen. Guitar Hero. And the whole point is that they're bouncing off each other that way and they're like, you know, player one has entered the game, player two has entered the game, and it's literally one of them will stand and they'll jump and swap places, mm-hmm. and they'll just do a lot of these silly, like, mannerisms, like, with the guitars. Yeah. So it felt very similar to that, but I liked this. It's a really nice bonding sequence. 
the premise of this song is that Michael is like, hey, you literally need to hold on for two more years because when we get to college, we're going to be gods. Yeah. <laughs> Which it- is true for Michael. I don't think it's true for Jeremy, just where he's at at this particular point yeah, in time. Yeah, because I think Michael is confident enough and owns his nerdiness. Yeah. And makes no qualms, no apologies for who he is. Mm-hmm. He's invested a lot of money in getting some Crystal Pepsi that is no good. And Jeremy's like, you can't drink that. It's crystal expired. Pepsi is disgusting. Have you ever tried it? Yeah. It's great. I know. But I just love the fact that he, he looks back on these throwbacks and he's like, I want these. Yeah. And because people will admire that when it comes to college, people will be like, oh, yeah, you want to hang out with Michael. He's, he's a good he's time. He's cool kid, yeah. There's a sad interlude in this song with Dad. Dad sort of comes and goes, you got a girl in there? Is that why you want me to put some pants on? Oh, he closes his dressing gown and it, and then Michael turns around and he's like, oh, it's just Michael. And he opens <laughs> his dressing gown again. Yep. Uh, but it, again, it's one of those sad interludes because you can see that Dad is just like he's desperate trying. for any kind of human communication. And Jeremy's just like, oh, he's a loser. I don't want to end up a loser like him. I don't blame mum for leaving him for some other guy. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, that's Did your mum left you too? Yeah, that's really cruel. Yeah. I, I think it... Be- and I get that, you know, he's a kid and that's how he's dealing with it. But the way that he talks to his dad is the mean part. Yeah. It's like, you're clearly both going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. But we have this line where uh, Jeremy's dad... Jeremy's sort of shut down. He's not talking to him anymore. And his dad is just like, okay, good talk. Yeah, it's like he's going up at just the one bit of humour and interaction he's going to have this day. And again, Mm -hmm. Jeremy is so caught up in his miserable life, his miserable life, Mm -hmm. he isn't thinking about the impact he's having on other people. He tells Michael about the squip. Yeah. And Michael's like, sounds like you're being scammed. And Jeremy just thinks... My life will be greatly improved if I give $600 to the guy that bullies me every single day. Oh, wait, I'm being scammed. Yeah, but they make a plan because they realise that Rich is getting them from somewhere. Oh, yeah. Rich mentioned that he got his from some guy who sells them out of the back of the Payless shoe store. Yeah. So they're like, well, we'll just go there then. Yeah, so they go and they meet him. You meet Wolverine. That's his actual name is Wolverine, which yeah. I think is fantastic. Because he does look hilarious. like Wolverine. He's like, hey, I like your sideburns. Are you Wolverine? <laughs> like, yeah. And they have uh, the money and he goes, it's $400. And Jeremy gets all like defensive about it. It's like, oh. It's like, oh, my friend at school said it was 600 But Michael quickly Michael's slaps like, no. his wrist. He's like, no, and it's 400 They get the squip. I like them where the lights go down, they open the box, and the box is kind of illuminated, and you see, like, the squips. <laughs> running shoes? This joke happens three times in this show, and it's funny every, it single, every time. single time. Jeremy is an idiot. It's yeah. great. And we learn that you have to take it with Mountain do green yeah and he's like i don't know what it is about it it just works but if you want to deactivate it mm-hmm. and quickly we stop because jenna comes in she wants to buy some shoes and wolverine's like what it's a shoe store i want to buy some shoes oh oh yeah right sure so off uh, jeremy and michael go and they sit in the food court mm-hmm. they have their mountain dew Mm-hmm. And he drinks it and he takes it. He doesn't feel anything. And it's kind of like 
What I feel like off. a chump, yeah. I feel like a chump. What a rip-off. And Michael says, that's fine. I've got to see a guy about some Ghostbuster ectoplasm drink. Maybe that'll make you feel better. What does it taste like? Ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> Dude, ghosts. Nolly. And off he goes. Enter Christine and Jake. Yep. And you can feel the pain for Jeremy. You can see his like heart break. However... As they enter, Christine says to Jake, oh, shouldn't we wait for the rest of the cast to arrive? And Jake's like, oh, no, like, let's just hang out the two of us for now until they get here. It'd be nice to get to know each other. Has he lied to her to get her Yes, here? 100%. The rest of the cast aren't coming. He yeah. said it's a whole cast meet-up, and it's just them. I mean, everybody else is at the mall, but... Yeah, but it's 100%. I think he, he's he's faked it, and then... I like this. So Jeremy goes up and she's like, hi, Jeremy. And Jake's like, I have to tell you something. Hi, Jeremy. Yeah. Do you have to tell us now? Yeah. And even she says that. She's like, do you have to tell me right now? I'm busy. Yeah. However, shouldn't she be like, oh, cool. You're here. We're waiting for everybody else to show up. Yeah. I think she forgets him. Yeah. Who doesn't? And then he starts having his kind of. It's described as a seizure. Yeah. And, and it's very much like you can see, like he's he's clutching onto his head and the the static and everything. It does look like he's having a seizure. People gather around, they're like, oh no, what's happening? And, and then we get the great he's because what's happening is he's getting electricity shot through his body essentially. So yes. he's being electrocuted by the squib, and he's like screaming on the floor, and then it stops, and he's like, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. He like pops back up. It's great. Enter the squib. Yes, indeed. Oh, the script is so awesome. <laughs> you look like Keanu Reeves. Oh, I can be Batman or I, I I could be some weird anime cat girl. Yes, which is hilarious. Who do you think your script would be? There is a movie, right? I can't remember what it is. My mum made me watch it. Where this character dies and goes to heaven. And in heaven, God appears as somebody that you would like you you consider to be godlike or somebody that you think would be a good god and for the character in the film is Whoopi Goldberg cool. and so Whoopi Goldberg plays god in this movie but as herself nice so the the actress is calling her Whoopi the whole time and is like that's very cool you're god you look like Whoopi Goldberg and so that's how my brain works with this so like Whoopi Goldberg it would be a great one who else who would I be like okay you sound like you know what you're talking about I don't know I feel like it, there are very few people that this would work on me with. I would have Tony Stark, but Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. Okay. Oh, yeah, fair enough. If they had, like, a Loki one, I'd Yeah, like, that. you would 100% have Loki, but MCU Loki wouldn't be, like... Oh, like, I'd have comic book Loki, too. Yeah. I don't care. I don't... I wonder, I wonder if he did take on the anime cat girl avatar would he look anime style to him? <laughs> yes. do you know what i mean like 100 percent, that's got to be what it is however i will say i would also take this script oh yeah <laughs> i'll have him it's Stuart fine. clark oh my god he was incredible so so amazing yeah an amazing presence mm-hmm. whenever he's on stage and also he doesn't really look like keanu reeves no particularly but it doesn't matter like no. he has such presence in this show and this is saying something because everybody in this is ridiculously talented yeah but 
anytime he was on stage, you're watching to see what he's doing. But especially the way he's in the background. Like, he's upstage. He's just watching the action. And just but his whole presence is like... To things that Jeremy does. He never comes across... Because there are scenes where he could just be invisible in the background. But he is supposed to be, yeah. Because back from the action. But you still are looking at him to see what his reaction to things are. It's great. Because this is the premise now. He's on stage telling Jeremy what to do and watching Jeremy's actions, but no one else can see him, mm. which is a very, very interesting dynamic and quite difficult to pull off, but pulled off very, very successfully. And he starts... Also, fun fact, he runs a Pokemon-themed D&D campaign. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, he's called it. So Everybody cool. in this is a big nerd, and I love it. I, yeah, you can tell, though. Like, Why else would you be in a show like this? Yeah. This is one of the best casts I've ever seen in any show. Mm. I, I see a lot of theatre. This is one of the best casts I've ever seen because they all look like these characters and become these characters and just are so super talented. Mm. You know, there's only, what, 10 actors in this at most? Yeah. And they all multi-roll throughout and they're incredible. Mm. You know, I... I but the script is so fantastic. Yeah. So his his whole deal is he is trying to improve uh, Jeremy. He's going to make Jeremy the best possible version of Jeremy. Yeah. He immediately criticizes Jeremy's appearance, personality, and behavior, and is like, "You suck." <laughs> yeah. And the first thing you need to do to improve, go and buy that Eminem T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy's like, "Why? I don't listen to Eminem. Like, don't do it. Just trust me." I, I analyse all the possible futures. Trust me, go buy that M&M t-shirt. So they're in Forever 21. So Jeremy says no. Yeah. And the Squip is like, okay, fine, you pick a t-shirt. And he picks it up. And the Squip's like, that's a girl shirt. And that is when Chloe and Brooke notice him there. Yes, because Chloe says hi. Yeah. And then the Squip says, ignore her, greet the beta, which is hilarious. It is. And so he says, hi, Brooke. And Chloe's like, what is going on? What is happening? And then Chloe says, is that a girl shirt? And then we get one of my favourite things from this entire show, which is the script telling Jeremy what to say and Jeremy overacting the hell out of it. And just repeating it. So it's like, oh yeah, I saw it and I thought it'd be great for my girlfriend. But, you know, my girlfriend, I dumped her. She cheated on me. Yeah, so she cheated on me, so I dumped her. Mm. And then Brooke just goes... I had a boyfriend who de- cheated on me too. An ex-boyfriend. It's yeah. so cute. But he does, the squip says, I broke up with her because she was cheating on me. And Jeremy goes, because she was cheating on me. And the squip's like, okay, Hamlet, calm down. <laughs> That's like one of my favourite lines. very good. And this is all whilst we're having the Be More Chill song, which oh. is a really good way. Is The squip is just saying, just be more chill. Listen to me and your life will be sorted. You don't need mm-hmm. to think anymore because I think for you. Just be more chill. Everything about you is so terrible. Terrible. <laughs> Everything about you sucks. And That's such a good song. We have this moment here. So he's coming across a little bit cooler. Mm. And then the script says they're going to offer you a ride. It is imperative, imperative that, that you, you take it. it. And then we cut into the song, which is Do You Want to Ride? Mm-hmm. I think this sequence is hilarious. Yes. However, I think at some points the performance, and luckily it's not the way of the whole performance, but again, it hits that kinky roots level of just kind of ridiculous. However, 
The difference is Brooke is only doing this because Chloe's yeah. told her to. Oh, yeah. Whereas in Kinky Boots, that's just how she acts. But that's, but, but that's but like, why... This I'm... isn't what Brooke's like. But that, exactly. Just... That's why I like it. And this is, again, we're starting to see far more of the sense of the fact that the way we saw the popular kids in the first scene mm-hmm. is how Jeremy views them. Yeah. But they're not like that at all. Like, here's Brooke, who's actually quite awkward, shy and nervous as well and doesn't know how to do things and looks to her friend to kind of give her that advice. Mm-hmm. And she is just as awkward. This is the exact same way that Jeremy would try and flirt with Christine. And I like it. And it works really, really, really well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just thought it was a really, really fun sequence. It was, it was mm. so funny. Jeremy says that he can't take a ride because Michael is still at the mall. And Michael's the one that gave him a lift here. Yeah. And so the girls leave. And he says, oh, maybe next time. And then Brooke's like really confused yeah. and just leaves. And then the script's like, you know, Michael left. Yeah. Like, that's why I said get. You have to get a lift. And he's like, well, how am I going to get home now? And the script's like, I literally told you so. <laughs> told you it was imperative. And then we're going to be more chill too. We get more of those rules, more fun mm-hmm. with the script. Yes. It's, it's basic... just proof that he has to do what the script says yes. for things to work out for him. Exactly. It's just more of the rules. Oh my god. The other thing we get in this sequence is the actor who plays Michael, who is fantastic. Blake Patrick Anderson. Yes. He is multi-rolled in this scene. There's only twice that he multi-rolls because he's in a lot of the show. So in this scene, he is... Andy Warhol, basically, but with brunette hair. He is in a very over-the-top and flamboyant, very nicely cut suit. And he's obviously some kind of fashionista who works at the mall. But he's got the, like, Andy Warhol haircut and everything. And everybody's multi-rolling in this scene because they're all playing people at the mall. And he just is so great. And I'm absolutely wetting myself laughing at this. It's so good. It's fantastic. So the lights go down and then we get the computer desk set up and we get a really nice moment to echo the start mm-hmm. as, you know, he's waiting for his porno to load. Yeah. Are you and... talking to yourself, Jeremy? I guess so. And then the just as he goes uh-huh. uh, to masturbate, the script stops him. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I just love the mirroring of it. And the script's like, what are you doing? Well, get that out of your programming right away. It's like, I'm, I was just checking my emails. I'm in your head. I know what you're doing. I know what doing. you're doing. And you already start to see the squip, you know, taking command. Like, I can fix your, your glasses. Look, here, take your glasses off. There we go. I've sorted out your optic nerve. Mm-hmm. You can see really well now. Listen to me. If this is going to work, you have to obey everything. Repeat after me. I am terrible. Mm-hmm. You are a loser. I am a loser. Dress the way I tell you to dress. And we start to see a different Jeremy. Yes. And Rich bumps into Jeremy, says, where's my money? Yeah. And like, what's happening? And he, the squip in Jeremy zaps the squip in Rich, I yeah. think. They, they sing. So it's like defense mechanism, down AB. Yeah. And stops yeah. Richie. Left row, left row, up, down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Konami code. Yeah. Uh, and stops all of that from going on and Rich is like, dude, you got a squip. And yes. they are synced and up. And they sync up and we have a little dance sequence with Jeremy where we have 
some of the best choreography. I'm obsessed with the choreography and the costuming for the show. It's yeah. incredible. But specifically the choreography where the squip dances behind Jeremy. And at the start of the show, it seems like Jeremy is dancing and the squip is copying. Yeah. And then as we get further in, it's really clear that actually it's the squip that's dancing and Jeremy's just puppet. It's great. It is. We go to a theatre rehearsal, play rehearsal, mm -hmm. and we see Chloe giving Christine grief for going out with Jake. Yes. And I really like this. She's, you know, Christine's just like, me and Jake are just friends. And Chloe's like, well, good. Because he does this a lot. He'll say he's into theatre, but he's actually part of the Model UN. And he can't make or his mind... whatever club it is this yeah, week. He can't yeah. make up his mind on the clubs. And he does that sometimes. Because obviously she's talking about how he was with her. That like they were dating and now he wants to go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And Christine's just like... I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I don't fancy him. Uh, yeah, she's like, I don't like him that much. Yeah. I'm not willing to fight you for him. So Chloe's like, good. And off she goes. Mm -hmm. And we have play rehearsal. And everyone's like acting their lines for Midsummer Nightmare. And Jeremy's books close. Yes, so Mr. Ray's kicks up a fuss, goes, how old do you expect to perform Shakespeare? And, you know, if you're so word perfect, go on and prove it. And of course, the script has learned it and he recites it beautifully. And mm. everyone's like... In a British accent. Yeah, and everyone's just like... And then Mr. Ray's is like, wow, we should all take a, a page out of his book. Yeah. Everyone needs to learn their lines. Yeah. And then... Theatre rehearsals are over, so we go to Christine singing a guy that I'd kind of be into. Yes. So her and Jeremy are just talking. They were having a weird little game. Oh, I like the bits. Of impressions. Yeah, I love their weird impressions, like the whole quirky oh British, God, the British voice <laughs> giving Dick Van Dyke a run for his money so there. So funny. Especially because this cast are British. Yeah. So... Oh, we know that they're just like, and she over talks the about wanting to go bowling to do like the weird performance art of like. And at the end, I give birth to a bowling. But ball. I like the bit that you know she's describing what's going on, but we don't hear her because the squip is talking. It's like you like this girl. Are you sure? Are you sure? And then he stops the conversation. And, goes, and I birthed a bowling ball. Yeah, the squip says it almost seems like this girl doesn't care what other people think of her. Yeah. And he's like, is that a bad thing? And the squip says, mm, it's not bad. It's just very unusual. Yeah. And we go into her song. Yeah. I knew the joke that this song was setting up to. Yeah. Like, I think it's a very obvious song. You know, the squip says, it's like, yeah, no, trust me. She's into you. Like... Her body language, everything I'm seeing, she's she's talking well, about you. But he also says he's been activating Jeremy's pheromones. Yes. So that she'll find him, like, a viable mate. Yeah. And all of this song, she, you know, she's like, I wouldn't usually be into this sort of guy, but there's something different. I never noticed him before. Mm -hmm. It's about Jake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the guy that I kind of be into is Jake. <laughs> I like it. I think it's fantastic. It's so good. Yeah. It, it, it's a really right. nice number. However... The squip is mad oh, God, yeah. that this happens. And he is like, that girl is not an acceptable girlfriend for you. She does not see you as relationship material. Jeremy's like, yeah, that's why I got you. And that's your job. Is just like, yeah. The no. squip's like, yeah, no, we can't start with her. Yeah, we have to build up to her. You're going to need to get an upgrade. And we enter Brooke. Yep. 
under the bleachers and he engages the tear ducts mm-hmm. and apparently Eminem died. Apparently Eminem died. He was impaled by a hockey, hockey stick. And we talked to Squibb and Squibb's like, I saw a potential future and I thought I could exploit it. Yep. And him and Brooke are like cuddled up and Brooke wants to kiss him mm-hmm. and he's fighting the Squip on it. He's like, I'm awkward. Eventually he kisses her. And Yeah, he says he's never kissed anyone before and the Squip's like, you need to change that. Yes. <laughs> Hurry up. Yeah. But imagine being a supercomputer. I guess it's the joke from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy of like Marvin, oh, brain the size of a planet and my job is to sweep up after you. Yeah. It's like you're this incredible AI supercomputer that can control the world and your job currently is to get this boy to kiss someone. Yeah. Like ridiculous. No, <laughs> imagine I think... how frustrating that would be. I, I think it's great. And, and all these moments when we have like the techie stuff the choreography for it is fantastic Mm -hmm. we learn that there's an optical filter yes optic nerve blocking so uh he's told the script to leave him alone for five minutes just so he can clear his head and think things through the script says fine absolutely see you later and we finally see michael Mm -hmm. and michael's like where have you been why have you been ignoring me and jeremy is very excited like michael you're there i've been looking for you all day we learn that there's an optical filter. When he attacked the optical nerve to, to fix them, mm. he also filtered out Michael so he can no longer see Michael. Yeah, which is terrifying. Obviously. Oh, yeah, it is. And it is because the script feels that Michael is responsible for holding back Jeremy because you don't want to be associated with that loser. Yeah, especially because Michael's reaction is like, oh, that's so cool. It's awesome that it works. We have to test it out. Oh, we should go celebrate. We should get stoned in my basement. <laughs> we should and go the, get stoned in my mom's basement. The script is like... No, we're not doing that. Yeah. And we go into the final number of Act 1, which is Loser Geek Whatever. Yeah, so Upgrade and Loser Geek Whatever kind of overlap. We get the majority of Upgrade, which is great. Yeah. We have all the little Squip Minions. The Squip Minions are great. The The costumes again are fantastic. (laughs) They're so funny. Yeah. But they all come on. Also, this is where we get the upgrade squip costume. The upgrade. We'll talk about the upgrade squip costume in a moment. Yeah. Because it's incredible. Mm-hmm. But yeah. We but we have... go from this into Jeremy stood on the stage alone because this is inside his own head and he's thinking for himself. And he is at the menopause stump. Yes, he is. <laughs> the <laughs> menopause stump. And if you haven't previously listened to us, the menopause stump is when you stand right at the front centre stage and there is a great change in your life. It's a joke from Into the Woods. It's a joke from Musical Mash from Into the Woods. Yeah. But yeah. And this whole scene probably takes place in like 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. But he sings Loser Geek Whatever. And then when Loser Geek Whatever finishes, we go back into a little finale of Upgrade. I feel like this is the kind of Star Wars argument of fear leading to the dark side. You know, that the whole point of this is just to rationalise why Jeremy would do this. So it's sex that leads to the dark side. No, it's fear leads to anger. Anger leads to pain. Pain leads to the dark side. Something like that. I thought it was like repressed emotions. No. But what I like about this is... <laughs> Jedi sucks. It's important to kind of rationalise why he would give up his friendship. Because it's not like he's actually been benefiting from the script thus far. He's put up some resistance. 
You know, it's not like he got the girl. It's not like all his problems were automatically fixed. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think, an important song where he's like, I am sick of being the loser. I am sick of being the geek. Do you yeah. know what? I'm going to do this because it's about time I got something. Yeah, so this song, Loser Geek Whatever, was only added when they went to Broadway for yeah. the first time. So the version of Be More Chill that people saw and got really famous didn't have this song. And then they added it when they went to Broadway. I actually don't particularly like this song. However, narratively, I think it's so important, which is it, why it's interesting to me that I don't like it. But without this, Jeremy comes across as a way worse person. I, I Exactly. Because you get the Squip Sings upgrade and then he gives... Jeremy the option he's like oh what are you gonna do Jeremy you need to choose you can either be more chill or you can go and hang out in his basement and smoke and Jeremy's like you're right I want to be cool optive nerve on and that's the end of act one yeah and this is better yeah arguably I know exactly because I think we need to understand why he does this something about it he agrees to the upgrade, and then we get the upgrade script costume, which is amazing. And for so the, cool. For the wrestling fans out there, imagine broken Matt Hardy coming down to the ring with his ring robe, because it's very reminiscent of a broken Matt Hardy-style ring robe. Oh, sure. You know, as his script costume. In that you're showing it to me right now. I've never seen this. I'm before. showing it to you, but, but for, for listeners out there as well, if you are wrestling fans, you know... It's that style, and it is amazing. And I love that you have like the kind of data inside of it. Like it looks mm-hmm. like a, a circuit board. It's a very very yeah. Because cool he starts out in this sort of Freddie Mercury esque costume, yeah, where he's in all white. He's got a bomber jacket and the ribbed jeans and Converse. And then here we go from that to black joggers, yeah. which I think is hilarious. I would want to wear trackies for the whole show if I could. And then he's got the coat. And the squip coat is so nice. Yeah. It's so good. But then in Act 2, he also has two more costume changes. Okay. But they again, just get more and they more. They just elaborate. get better and better. Yeah. So we go to Act 2. And we start with Halloween. The digital backdrop of the pumpkins was fantastic. I really liked that. Because a Halloween party is a rad excuse to put your body through mad abuse. <laughs> yep. So we have... Uh, Brooke is dressed as a sexy dog. Yeah. Oh my god. Yep. We yep. have Jenna's Chloe. a scary clown. Yeah, is a killer clown. Chloe is a sexy baby, which is awful. Yeah. It's great. She has a bottle full of vodka as it's well. So awful. Ugh. Uh Jake is Prince. Right. The singer prince. The singer prince. With the best wig. Do you know what? This is so bad. But I couldn't figure out who he was meant to be. I knew who was Prince the second he came out. Right, I'm a musicals person. I thought he was supposed to be David Diggs when he comes back in Act 2 of Hamilton. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, Hamilton. And no. then they said the prince and princess thing, and I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. You okay. are an idiot. <laughs> Richie is Jason. He borrowed, he borrowed his brother's Jason mask. He did have a machete, so he bought a baguette. Mm-hmm. Jenna's the killer clown. Christine comes as a princess because thinking prince and princess. A sexy princess. But it, but not sexy in the way you traditionally think of a sexy Halloween costume. It doesn't look as sexy as others. Like, it's still quite Christine. 
No, you can see all the way up her skirt. Her skirt is like a, a little round bowl, basically. But I still don't down. think it's as bad as the other sexy costumes. I think that's just because of where we were sat. Possibly. Um, and Jeremy is gone as Tron. I think he's a cyborg. He's a cyborg Tron-esque thing. Yeah. So I have to ask. Then, oh my God, we have an extra character. Yes. Who is played by the actor who is playing the teacher, Jeremy's dad, Wolverine, and just everyone. Or any adult that yeah. we need in this scene. He's this weird monster with a joint. A giant joint. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like one of the monsters. He looks like the monster from where the wild things are. Yeah. You know, the, the one that Max makes friends with at the beginning. Yeah. He's that. And he literally serves no purpose in this scene. Such a great so it's a really weird costume to have for a character. So I thought that was going to be, especially because he's got a joint. Yeah. You thought that was going to be Michael. I thought that was going to be Michael. No. So it's not Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very good energetic song to re-engage start up. Um the squip is encouraging Jeremy to to drink, to dance, just to enjoy himself. Not to drink yet. Not to drink yet, but to encourage him to get involved with mm-hmm. the house party. And somehow he gets locked in a room, just him and Chloe. Everybody leaves the room that they are currently in because Jake ditches Christine immediately because she calls him out on not being in the matching costumes. Yeah. Um, which, whatever. Oh yeah, because he's really obnoxious. He's like, it's prince and princess. And she's like, I did... I th- yeah, princess, like... Yeah, and he calls her out. It's like, you don't get me. Yeah, and he's like, get yourself a drink. I don't care what you do. And then he leaves. Yeah. And then you have... Rich is just sort of wandering around. So he's not really in there. But then everybody else has gone out yeah. of the room. And we're left with Chloe and Jeremy. And we get, do you want to hang? Which yeah. is the reprise of do you want to ride? But it's Chloe's version. Now. Yes. And this is a very gross sequence, but it is the <laughs> point. So it's not like. I had such a good time watching you react to this because you were so visibly uncomfortable. And what's great was there was a man in the row behind us yeah. who I could just see over my shoulder with his three teenage children yep. with him. And. As soon as this started, his whole body just, like, tensed. It was so great. So the premise here is that she is a sexy baby mm-hmm. trying to get Jeremy to fill her diaper. Yeah. And it it's the way she, like, sucks on the bottle. And it's all really, like, gross and uncomfortable. And it... Yeah, she says that the bottle doesn't have milk in it. And yeah. she gives it to Jeremy. And the squip's like, drink it quick. So he drinks it. And, and then... then the squip reverts to factory settings. Because alcohol breaks a script which makes him japanese we see uh chloe grinding on the floor suggestively yeah it's this a- whole scene is hilarious especially because grace mower this was her first day it's her first performance as chloe and we also had the actress playing jenna rowan was nathania ong she it was her first day as well and her debut on the west end yeah and they were so good they were fantastic. so good it was so seamless like you wouldn't know that this was the first time either one of them were doing these roles for an audience no they were fantastic weirdly grace moore popped up on my tiktok uh for you page today yeah with a little video that she made about getting ready to go on yesterday yeah, I saw it was on really her, cute on her instagram yeah yeah 
this was a really great number. It's gross, but that's the point. You yes. know, it, it made me uncomfortable, but that is the point. And they did a fantastic job of this. It ends with her Brooke coming through the door. So Chloe grabs Jeremy's hand. And puts it on her boob. And, yeah. on her, and, and she so, assumes that you're cheating on me. I thought you'd be better, Jeremy. During Sync Up, which is a song from earlier in Act One, the script points out everybody's flaws. Yeah. So they point out that Jenna uses gossip to get attention from others, but once she's given the gossip, they ignore her. And Jeremy's like, oh, what should I do? He's like, ignore her. Yeah. Chloe needs... Validation as well. Validation and attention because she's jealous of the attention that other people get. And Brooke needs to be noticed so desperately because she doesn't get noticed by anyone except for Chloe. And then it's a negative interpretation. Yeah. And Jake is a jock and feels like a failure, I think is what he says. He tries, he wants successes to hide his failures and weakness. Yeah. So all of that just becomes really clear in this one two second instance where we have Chloe desperate for attention from Jeremy because Jeremy ignored her. Brooke just getting screwed over again because Chloe's there. And Jake coming in, seeing his ex-girlfriend with Jeremy and getting instantly jealous and giving chase. Yes. Which leads to Christine dumping him. Yes. Not on stage. It happens off stage, but we yeah. learn that. In a and second. it all leads into a chase, which eventually culminates with Jeremy hiding in the bathroom, mm-hmm. sitting down and a hand coming up from the bath, grabbing him. And it's Michael. Yes. He's dressed as the creature from the trash lagoon. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's so great. And he's he takes off his costume. He's wearing that brilliant creep t-shirt, which we yeah, both bought. We both bought a creeps t-shirt. <laughs> it's so cool. It's very cool. Uh, this scene, they have a fight. Yeah, he tries to warn Jeremy about how dangerous the squip is because he, even though you can't Google it... Which is weird because everything's on the internet. Right. He found out through a guy he plays World of Warcraft with that that guy's brother went from a D student to a freshman at Harvard overnight, basically. And also then went... Then... Oh, there's no good way to phrase this. The squip became too much pressure for him, causing him to have a breakdown. Yes. So he ended up in a mental institution or a psychiatric ward. They're not clear about yeah. which one it is. But Jeremy says, well, I'm not crazy, so it's fine. Which and we so- love derogatory language around <laughs> mental illnesses. But yeah. Michael points out that he didn't go crazy because of the script, it's he, was he trying went to get crazy it out. trying to get it out. The reason he was institutionalized is because he hurt himself to try and gouge this thing out of his head, yeah. which it implants in your brain. Yeah, and Jeremy says, well, that's good, because why would I want to get rid of it? Mm. This is one of two moments where I'm like, this boy is dead to me. Yeah, because so he, he calls Michael a loser. Yes, but he tells him to get out of his way. And Michael's like, what will you do if I don't? And he basically is like, you don't want to find out. Get out of my way, loser. And Michael just like climbs back into the bathtub. And then we have the most powerful, gorgeous, beautiful song. Mm -hmm. We talked about in the preamble. This was the song I knew. And a song I was very excited to see performed. Yes. And Blake Patrick Anderson nailed it. 
it's so powerful it's so gorgeous like the the moments of the upbeatness it's like i want to dance with somebody yeah you know you feel that kind of almost moment of i can pull myself out of this that hopefulness before you then go back in, in full panic and mode. seeing the knock 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 with well, everyone on stage coming on before as well. the song even starts we get jenna knocking on the door oh yeah so like, you're not the only one who needs to pee you know and michael goes I'm on my period. And she's like, oh, honey, you take all the time you need. So sweet. Jenna is my favourite character. This is, again, like, these popular kids, they're not just these negative, obnoxious characters from how Jeremy saw them. They're human beings. They're human beings. Mm -hmm. They're flawed human beings, but isn't that part of being a teenager? Mm -hmm. This song, it's amazing. Also, some of the riffing that Blake Patrick Anderson was doing during the song was so nice. Yeah, I love this bit. I think it was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he finally leaves the bathroom and dashes off home. And then we go to Jeremy and Christine having a bonding session. We see in the background Richie demanding Red Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. I knew why. I'd figured that. I knew exactly what was going on at that point. I knew yes. why he wanted the Red Mountain Dew. I'm glad They've you understood. Got uh, Mr. Reese. It's not Mr. Reese, is it? It is. It's Mr. Reese, but it's not. It's yeah. the... But they've got the... the where the, the, the wild the, things are costume. Yeah, they, they've got the monster there lying out, like, just kind of completely done for the Unconscious, night. Unconscious, yeah. And they're all laughing at Richie as well. And eventually they say something loud enough for the monster to wake up and storm out. And Christine grabs Jeremy's boot and kind of holds it towards herself. And it's quite an intimate thing. Like, it's not it's cuddling, like but it's, like, just quite a nice, like... Neon green boot. And he asks her out and is rejected. Mm-hmm. Maybe because she just split up with Jake. Maybe because why would you ever want to date this boy? That too, but, you know, timing. And the party's over. And Richie steps forward and he says, I can't get you out of my head, but if there's one way I can do it, maybe if I burn this maybe down. Maybe I can burn you out, yeah. yeah. And then we go into another absolutely tremendous sequence. Jeremy's script react- reactivates. It's been long enough since he's had alcohol. Yeah. And he reactivates and is like, don't worry, let me have a look at the data for this evening. And he's like, oh, God. Go home. We need to get you home now. <laughs> go home. So the next sequence... The squip is that one friend who doesn't get drunk at parties and watches all the stuff happen and is then like, right, damage control time. Yeah, designated driver. So funny. And he's so done with all of this too. It's just such a great... His reactions to everything were just really funny. Jenna steps forward. She has some hot gossip. Oh my God, right. She is such a good singer. Oh, you, you said to me... This definitely felt like a debut performance or a debut. Oh, hundred percent. Because of the the level she of her voice. Definitely had people in. Yeah. Because every time she stepped onto the stage, there was a cheer from somewhere in the gods, and they were loving life when mm. she was on stage. So it's obviously friends and family, which is great. That is such always such a good night to see somebody perform for the yeah. first well, it's time. A West End debut, you know, yeah. that's a big deal. Oh no, but I mean, it's always an extra bit of nice when you go to the theatre and it is somebody's first night and they have people in because the audience atmosphere is just a lot yeah. nicer. But because this is Jenna's big number, what she also did was she took a bunch of the notes up the octave and she was just, oh my God, absolutely belting Killed her heart it. out. It was so good. I love this sequence. I actually recognised 
this song as well. Yeah. Which set a fire and it burned down the house. Ah! Oh, when Brooke <laughs> screamed. That was amazing. It's so funny. I love the bit where they're all like gossiping and on the phone. You know, mm. the first bit is Jenna with Chloe and Chloe doesn't believe it. And Jenna's like, no, it happened. And then Chloe. And then Chloe calls Brooke. But Brooke's Brooke like, doesn't ignore. Yeah. And so she's like, let's never let boys come between us again. Okay. Smiley face. Smiley face. Cat paw emoji. Paw. Yeah. Okay. And then they. We good? We good. Okay. I love the bit. So Brooke's eating a banana. a banana and she just hurls it. I really, it's obviously, it's like a fake plastic banana, but she chucks it off stage and somebody obviously catches it as well. It was fantastic. So it was so good. And yet the boys come on in their sleepover gear. This yes, is another so... great example of the multi-world. They are not the boys. They are just. Additional girls. Additional in the girls in the background. So this song initially started out as a parody of the telephone hour from Bye Bye Birdie in which all of the girls are calling each other to let them know that... I've seen that in Family Guy. Yeah, it's in Family Guy. It's to let everybody know that one of the girls has been pinned, yeah. which is like going steady with her boyfriend officially. They will get married one day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so they're all ringing each other to spread the gossip and it's all like, oh, I heard this firsthand, except none of them have. Nobody yeah. heard it firsthand. Even Jenna doesn't know this firsthand. Yeah. So this is so good as a parody of that. It's so funny. But the boys come out in their sleepover gear. So you've obviously got, I think, is it Jake who's dressed in the unicorn and he's still Jake got... Jake still has his prince wig on. Yeah. And he's got a pink fluffy onesie on. Rich is wearing the unicorn onesie that has like blonde hair coming out of it. They all which look is so funny because it's so, like a short shorts. They onesie. look so ridiculous, but it's amazing. And it's then like, you have Michael as this girl with like a little brunette bob yep. with her like rainbow onesie. And then on. you've got Mr. Ray's oh as he doesn't even have a wig on. No, but he's he's got like a onesie or something that says like always ready. It's just like... Yeah, and like a little dressing gown yeah. thing. It's really cute. I loved it. It was great. But also the backdrop in this was great because the fire effects were so like powerful. Yeah. And you see like the selfies outside the house to end it on. Like we were there. Mm-hmm. He told me because he's my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Except they all say it. So I love this song. It was great energy. We cut uh, Jeremy Goes Home and his dad's absolutely you know, so concerned. Where have you been? What's going on? There was a fire. Now you're going to house parties and you're not telling me you could have got hurt. And the script says, tell your dad the truth. And Jeremy <laughs> says everything. He says, I've got a script and all this is, you're a joke. You are a joke. I'm not surprised mum left you. Yeah. And it's horrible. And dad says, I could ground you, you know. And Jeremy comes back and goes, I don't think you could. I don't think you could. You don't have that power. Now get out of my face. And the last thing he says is he goes, Good talk. And then he turns around and walks away. I was like, oh, he's dead to me. I care not for this child anymore. But I think the good thing is that this is fully, you know, script form Jeremy. This isn't Jeremy pre-script doing this. The script doesn't control him saying this, though. It doesn't make him say this. No, but the script is still in control. No, it's telling him what to do. It's not telling him what words to say. He picked the exact things that would hurt his dad the most. Yeah. But the script has obviously got the influence over him. I don't care. <laughs> I think if we're going to have this conversation, it definitely impacts Rich and the, the route it goes towards the end. Because if we're saying it's unforgivable now, everything Rich has done is unforgivable. 
and it makes the reveal at the end from Ridge worse. I love this next song, this next sequence with the dad being like, sometimes you got to wear pants I to totally save the ones you love. That this is where the pants song happens. Yeah. Because I always thought this happened. But no, I'm right. I So what it used to be was that pitiful children happened first. Yeah. And then the pants song, but now it's the pants song first, and then pitiful I think it children. works better because pitiful children going into the play, yeah, is better narratively. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have that and then this and then that, I think it breaks up the ending too much. Yeah. There needs to be more distance between Michael here and Michael in the yeah. play. I was when he started singing the pants song, I was like, oh, is this a rep- is this like a pre a pre prelude? <laughs> version yeah because i'm sure this doesn't happen here and then it's just the pants song and it was like yes i yeah. love the pants song. this one's great i love the bit where he goes and he knocks on michael's door and michael's not in pants and he's also smoking yep but he thinks it's his incense it's like there's no time for you to sit here and burn incense while your friend's in trouble and michael's like mm-hmm. i love the bit where he steps forward and michael's trying to speak and we just hear the beats of michael in the bathroom yeah. michael in the bathroom it, it, it's like you can feel that he is broken at this point as well like he's lost his friend and all the weakness and vulnerability he had he's kind of feeling it more because he's not got somebody there to fight his corner and be like no you, you rock michael mm-hmm. and this is a really nice sequence i liked it yeah so mr here jeremy's dad says to michael that you have to try and help him and michael says i did try and he called me a loser and his dad's like yeah, he called me a loser too. What's your point? Yeah, exactly. It's the adult the, perspective. The adult perspective is like, yeah, and like, yeah. you're not going to care about this in like two years' time. Exactly. It's great. Uh, I, I liked this sequence a lot. Mm-hmm. We cut back to the school and... Oh, everybody's getting ready for the play. Christine is going... She's taking a prop box? Yeah, we have a scene with Brooke talking to Jeremy... And Jeremy just, like, dismissing them. Oh, yeah, he's just talking to her about all the stuff with Jake breaking his leg and Rich burning the house down. And she's like, I can't believe you're just trying to chat to me right now. I'm a person and you hurt me. And Jeremy's just like, okay, whatever, bye. Yeah. Because Christine shows up and he, you know, there's an involuntary... Like, oh, the squips has like left arm, yeah, doosh, flail, and, and he hits the box and goes to help Christine. And Christine's like, "I'm not interested in having this conversation right now. It's show night. We've got to get up and going." Mm-hmm. She leaves a beaker behind, and the squip says, "She's done that, so you can save the day." Yeah. So Jeremy blames the squip for the fact that all of his relationships with people he thought were his friends are now completely damaged. He's not going to get with Christine, so he's like, "This is your fault." Yeah. Like, you're the one that's supposed to be fixing all of this. And the squip blames it on human error. Because the only thing a computer can't take into account for is, like, that humans are completely random and idiots in comparison to a computer brain. So he's like, hey, well, there's only one way we can make it all better, and that's to give all your friends squips. So we should do that. And then you can save her and she'll be fixed and she'll want you. Yeah. 
Go open Rich's locker. Why Rich's locker? Why is there women's running women's shoes? Women's running shoes. And he opens it and there's he's like, there's enough scripts here for the whole school. And this script's like, yeah, well, we'll start there. So he pours the Mountain Dew into Puck's beaker and he puts mm-hmm. the scripts in there. Enter Jenna. Jenna's like, Jenna genuinely thinks that he's going to drug everyone. Yeah, it's like, well, which wait. is what he's doing. He is doing it, yeah. But she's like, what are you doing? I should go and get a teacher. And then... He just tells her the truth. Don't you want to be your better self? Don't you want people to take notice of you and actually show interest in you? Have a squip. That will happen. She's like, cool. She He doesn't say have a squip. He says... Then drink this. You should drink this. And she's like, okay, you notice me. You ask me how but I'm doing. he has told her about the squips before that. So I think it's yeah. like, yeah, like she, she knows for what she's getting into. And... I, I don't think she does. No, but... Based on her... But, but at least but... he's but i would say at least in the same way he's like yeah i've drugged this mm-hmm. but you can be better too so it's not like as bad as just this like... is where she hits the most amazing note she just runs to the front of the stage because when jeremy got his squib yeah it really hurt him but when jenna gets hers she just sort of freaks for one second and then hits i this love the backdrop here as well it's like do you accept the terms and conditions <laughs> yeah. and C's apply. yeah so this is when we start getting the pitiful children and and her note to start this one is phenomenal mm-hmm. i just again i really love seeing the script grow in power here again costume change because the script's been upgraded more power because their influence is growing because they're connecting and yep. syncing up with everyone else I love that we then have the scene where the teacher introduces the play and says, unfortunately, Richie's not here, so I'm going to take on some of the roles. You know, we've got a few kids missing. And they said, if if they can't do it, they want their teacher to do it. And I completely understand, so I will do it for them. Mm -hmm. And Jeremy tries to convince Christine to take a script. And she's like, you took a script. Because she knows all about this. He's telling her about it, but he doesn't use the word script. Yeah. He's like, what if there was this magic thing that could take away all of the sadness and the not knowing about life? And she's like, are you talking about a squip? And he's like, what? And it, the way that the music works here as well is like there's all this build up and then it just stops because she knows what he's talking about. And she's like, yeah, this kid at my drama camp took one and he went from like a D student to an A student at Harvard and then he went crazy trying to get it out of his head. And now he's in a psychiatric unit. And first of all, Christine went to theatre camp with the Michael's from... World of Warcraft friend's brother. Yeah. Which, that's hilarious. Because, of course, that's how the world works. Exactly. You just meet random people. But Jeremy's like, uh... <laughs> yeah. he like, cannot compute <laughs> at yeah. all. Because she's, what's wrong with me? I'm fine yeah. how I am. That's such, such a nice line where... She, he says, but it'll fix everything about you. And she's like, but what's wrong with me? Yeah. And he doesn't have an answer for that, obviously. Exactly. And it's it's, it's a nice little yeah. bit there because it's showing that she's powerful and aware and proud of who she is. The teacher comes in, grabs the beaker. He is in full puck costume at this point in time. Incredible. And... Jeremy doesn't notice. No. And starts arguing with the squip and... The squip reveals he wants to take over the entire student body... And then the entire world. And then Jeremy's trying to think about how how do we deactivate you if it's Mountain Dew green that activates you. He's like, I'll just get everyone to drink. And he goes, well, that will work for a period of time, but then I'll come back. Yeah, we'll all just get drunk. Jeremy remembers Rich running around at the party screaming about how he needed Mountain Dew red. Yeah. And thinks, oh, God, okay, that must be the only way to do it. And the squip says, well, of course. Why do you think we had it discontinued? Yeah. 
And Jeremy's like, what? He's like, yeah, the only way you're getting any Mountain Dew Red is if you have a time machine and you don't have one of those. And Jeremy's like, or a friend who's obsessed with retro drinks. And the script's like, you don't have one of those either. And then we have... Michael makes an entrance. You were. This is like the most hyped you were for anything. Oh, I was hyped the whole way through, but I knew that line was coming. I knew that happened, and of course, so funny. Yeah, this whole sequence. Well, I will give it to you, but you're going to apologize to me first. And he can't because the squip is blocking his ability to say sorry. Yeah. And Michael doesn't realise. And Michael's... This is the one bit I was like, come on, Michael. Seriously. Seriously, <laughs> Use Michael. your brain. Use your brain. Exactly. You've done enough research. This is the one bit of, like, poor writing I think there is in this. Mm. I can completely understand the sentiment. But also, he knows for a fact that Michael has... You'd be like, let's get this thing out of your head first. Exactly. And then you can apologise to me. It's the one bit of poor writing. Because Michael should know better. Yeah. But they have this kind of uh, exchange... And Jake shows up. Jake shows up. He's been squipped because... Not obviously squipped yet. So they're kind of hiding it. Yeah. He's acting like himself. And Michael's like, hey, if I hold Jeremy down, will you force him to drink this? And Jake's like, absolutely, I will. Yeah. And then he his squip activates and he dumps it all out at the front of the stage. So there's a little... I looked as we were leaving. Yeah. There's a little trough set into the front of the stage and he dumps all of the Mountain Dew Red into it. But some of it was like splashing over the edge and it was hitting the audience. It was making me laugh so hard. The real reason it was the squib zone is you get a little bit of splash. <laughs> you get squibbed. <laughs> oh, that sounds inappropriate. Uh, yeah, so they're feeling very hopeless. There yeah, is no but there's a little bit left. Yeah. You have Chloe and Brooke come out and they're kind of on better terms again now. It's like BFFs forever and they're all synchronised. Mm-hmm. And then out comes Christine. <laughs> yeah. And Christine has also been squipped. Yeah, and he's... Christine clearly has no control over herself here. Yeah. There's a really nice fight sequence and it calls back to two-player game. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of seeing off their like classmates and Jeremy finally gets the bottle and Squip's like, yeah, you could do that or you or... can have everything over one. Christine comes in yeah. and she is not herself. It's very, very obvious. Yeah. Because she sings a reprise of Guy That I Kind of Been Into again, yeah. where she sings, You are the person that I want to see every day. And all the background ones are like, She is totally into you, <laughs> which is great. And Jeremy so nearly is like, Okay. So she says that she loves you. Like, yeah. She's like, I love you, Jeremy. So this is more proof for me. It's like, Jeremy wasn't in control of what he was saying to his dad. Yes, the squip has said, tell the truth. No, this is different because the squip, we've seen moments where the squip fully takes over his body, but, but again, that wasn't one of them. But, but again, though, do we need it explicitly said? We know he's got a squip in him. We don't need to actually see the squip taking that control of it. The squip says, tell no, the truth. No, I think the squip on a whole is making him a worse person, but it I, didn't choose those words for him. I think the squip chose the words for him in the same way okay. the squip is, the squip, let's be honest. Christine isn't saying these words of her own volition, is she? I mean, it's left open-ended, isn't it? For a reason. But the squip is saying it on her behalf. All these nasty things, that even the nasty things that Richie says and Richie does Mm. are a result of the squip making him do that. I don't think Jeremy says these words when he's in the squip form. Still a nasty thing for him to do. And he probably could fight the squip more. But... He is saying them because the squip has told him the words. Mm-hmm. 
Jeremy says that this isn't what he wanted. Yeah, he's like, he realises that this isn't actually her speaking. It's like, yeah, he's always wanted this. She's pretty blank-faced as well. But it's not this way. Yeah, so he gives the last of the Red Mountain Dew to Christine. He tips it into her mouth. Yep. And then it causes like a chain reaction where all of the squips are destroyed inside everyone's heads. Yeah. 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 And the script, we see the really nice thing is the script kind of gets destroyed and the digital backdrop goes crazy. Oh, he reverts to... Japanese. Japanese factory settings and then fizzles up yeah. and dies. And then we wake up in the hospital. We see Rich, who's got a full body cast on, presumably from his burns and mm-hmm. injuries. And it explains, you know, what happened. He's now speaking with the lisp. Yeah, it turns out he had a speech impediment, which the script fixed for him. Yep. In the and... same way that it fixed Jeremy's eyesight. And also, he's bi, and he's been bi the whole time, and the squip is a homophobe. Yeah, pretty much. Basically. Because the squip is kind of doing that nasty thing where it's like, oh, hey, I'm not comfortable with myself, so I'm going to bully you for this. Yeah, basically. You know, because there's obvious... Which, again, more reason why I think the squip is voicing things for people. Okay, that's fair. You I know, understand. Richie's, Richie's a homophobe at the start of this. Yeah. But that's because the script is making him do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, if we're we going to say we dislike Jeremy for what he says, we have to dislike Richie for that same thing. Yeah, that's true. You know, and we can't hold it against Richie because he clearly, we, we see here, he has had no control over it. This is the complete opposite of what he is. And it is the opposite of what Jeremy's like. That's the effect of the script. I still don't like Jeremy. I still don't like Jeremy. I still, but I think that's because we see the other human people getting hurt by Jeremy's choices, which we don't see with Richie. We see a, a human person who's been hurt as a result of the script. Yeah. But I think that's our point. We're not supposed to like Jeremy through the whole, through the bulk of this because he does become the villain. Yeah, I'm. We'll talk about it more in a little in a in, in a little minute. Yeah. So we learn that Richie has a bit of a crush on Michael. He says. Jeremy says. Has Michael been here? And oh no, let's try again. Rich says, "Oh, your boyfriend was here." And Jeremy's like, "Huh?" He's like, "Oh, not your boyfriend? Oh, just your friend? Oh, does that mean he's single? Because like I could get on that." Yeah. And then Michael walks in, and instead of just talking the way that he has been talking, he drops his voice and is like, "Hey, hey, yeah." <laughs> and Michael's like. Hi. He's like into it. It's great. I like when dad comes in and immediately grounds Jeremy. It's like, you're oh, yeah. grounded. And he's wearing pants. And, it's and like... Jeremy's just staring at his pants the whole time. He's like, dad, you're wearing pants. He's like, yeah. It's great. I love the way he's like, and what? So he goes in being all aggressive and like angry to, and what is this about a girl? Why am I only just now hearing of Christine? Why did from I have him? to hear it from him? You yeah. Know? And he's like, go for it, you know. You gotta buy her a rose, compliment her on her. Clothes. I like, yeah, this is it. All he needed, all he needed to do is just talk to people. He could have just asked his dad for yeah. advice. All yeah. Jeremy needed to do is just speak to people and ask for advice. We get into our finale song, Voices in My Head. Yeah. So we go through. There's a fun bit in the background as dad is singing that, where Michael oh puts God. his hands on Richie, like where the cast is. And Richie recoils, like, oh! Just, like, in pain. Yeah. And Michael's like, oh, God, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so we get the the three bits of advice in the hospital. Our dad says, buy her a rose, compliment her on her clothes. Uh, Michael says, tell her you appreciate that she's smart. And Rich is like, no, you just tell her that she excites you sexually. And that's the way to get to her heart. And the others are like, shush. <laughs> Tom Rich. Yeah. I do like this because... It... 
Jeremy's revealing now that the only voices he needs are his friends. Mm-hmm. There's a nice bit so all the popular kids feel camaraderie. Um, Chloe's squad. like, you know... I've never felt more connected to all of you. It must have been the ecstasy we dropped on uh Oh, yeah, they all think that they accidentally got doped. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, but there's definitely some vibes between you and you and Christine. Christine's mm-hmm. kind of into you. So that he's now listening to them. They're now closer to him. Mm-hmm. And they prompt him to go for it as well. Yep. And we finally speak with Christine and she's like, do you remember it? Yeah. Probably the first person she's actually spoken to about it is like, do you remember what happened? Mm-hmm. And we learn that her squip was Greta Thunberg, mm. which is kind of embarrassing, but, you know. And she says, it's embarrassing. And he's like, no, I think that's cool. It is like, cool. No, it's embarrassing to know. Yeah. <laughs> that, that I want everything to be easy, which I really like this. these two little lines. I, it's embarrassing to know that deep down I just want everything to be easy. And he says, yeah, but who wants things to be hard? And then he says to her, would you like to go out with me? We could go for uh, some bowling alley performance art and she's like "Mm, maybe and then she says all of the voices in her head agree that they should go and have lunch together yeah but what i like here is we get the kind of hint is there still a bit of squip left in so the like og squip that's in jeremy's head is still there Mm. and it's still talking to him and it's great but he can't hear it over the voices of the people he's listening to now Mm -hmm. i like that this is again a really good bit with the digital backdrop because it's like he's stuck mm. you know because we we can't necessarily hear him as well it is really powerful we get the nice na 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 as they all like go nuts at the yeah. end it's great and uh christine and jeremy kiss she's too good for him but yes oh yeah she is way too good for him but <laughs> you know that's the end regardless of... of his behavior here she's too good for him yeah and that's the end of be more chill yes indeed and we got some big old cheers for the entire cast massive it cheers it was great. a phenomenal show absolutely phenomenal show mm-hmm. what is your best song you've listened to this so many times more <laughs> so, so many times what was your best song live you know, in terms of finally Ooh. seeing best song, best song live smartphone hour because yeah. the only version of that I had previously seen was the Broadway rehearsal where they're not in costume, so I didn't know that the I didn't know that the male performers are playing female characters in that scene. Yeah. So when that happened on stage, I literally it's the actual spectacle. Of it was so well. funny. Yeah. So on stage, it's definitely the smartphone hour. Song-wise, Michael in the Bathroom, To Play a Game, and Voices in My Head. Yeah. I'm just going to have mul- I'm just gonna have multiple. It's actually easier for me to say my skip song this time. I said best song is Michael in the Bathroom and Smartphone Hour. Just mm-hmm. Michael in the Bathroom is powerful as I wanted it to be. And Smartphone Hour was just incredible. Because mm-hmm. I knew bits of that song, but seeing it live. Because it's quite a long song that when you listen to it... Yeah, it's like six or seven minutes. When you listen to it, it's kind of samey, but seeing it, it's even better. Mm-hmm. What is your skip song? My skip song is Loser Geek Whatever. Because <laughs> you don't like it. I don't like it. I really like the way that Scott Folan, who plays Jeremy, performed this song. It was very talky and angry yeah. and him building up to a point where he will be like, yeah, I don't need Michael anymore. That's great. But when you listen to it without the visual of him being alone on the stage and arguing with himself and him getting like visibly riled up, yeah, it's just not as nice to listen to. Yeah, personally, 
I agree. For me, my skip songs are Do You Want to Ride slash Do You Want to Hang. <laughs> I think enough. they're great songs. I understand why. I think they are great songs. Mm-hmm. The only reason, I wouldn't skip anything. I think I could listen to this whole soundtrack. The only reason I would skip these two is because they're just kind of gross. Mm-hmm. And that is the point. And it works because of it. And on stage, it's a funny environment. But how well will that translate on headphones, you know, in on speakers? Yeah. Who is your MVP in this one? See, this is really hard because... Everyone is amazing. Everyone is amazing. They all multi-role except for Jeremy. And they are all just incredible performers. Yeah. But I think my MVP is the squip. Because he was just so good constantly. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't multi-role either, but... He just, every single time he's on stage, you're looking to see what he's doing because he just has this aura of being really sinister, even from the start. Because, like, as audience members, obviously, we're expected to understand that taking this thing is a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, from the get-go. And that was great all the way through. Yeah. I had a great time. I, my MVP is is Christine. I love just her energy and I think it's so hard to choose to be honest it is so difficult to choose because I there's an argument for Michael being my MVP Michael mm-hmm. is is the heart of this yeah I really think without Michael being done well this play falls short and I think like Patrick Hansen did an amazing job as Michael absolutely I think the script is incredible I think uh Eloise Davies as Brooke is is great uh Grace Moat as Chloe is fantastic you know them as an ensemble uh, Nathania Ong as Jenna, those three together work wonders to create mm-hmm. like the environment as well and multi role. I, you know, Christopher Fry, who plays all of the adults, he, the fact that he's just in like every scene is oh, incredible. Yeah. And he's he's the oldest person in this cast. Yeah, you know, and then great. James Hamid, who plays Rich, he's fantastic. I've actually met him. I realised. Yeah. I bumped into him at Comic-Con a couple of times. Miles Paloma as Jake is, is amazing as well. Mm-hmm. We've got just the And Scott Furland's incredible. Cast. They are all so good, but I am going to go with Christine. I think a lot of what Christine has to do, her energy, her quirkiness, is quite difficult to pull off in a genuine way. Yeah. And I think she manages to do it fantastically. Mm. And I found myself instantly like on board with christine like you could see why people would fancy her yeah but you also got the sense that she was more than just this love object like the affection of jeremy she was a real person as well mm-hmm. and i think sometimes when you write characters like this you don't give them a personality and i think christine's written so well yeah and i think miracle chance did an amazing job at bringing her to life Mm-hmm. Which role would you want to play? It's kind of 50-50. You know, you, you can, like... With the, there's plenty of choice for you. It's not like... So... <laughs> <laughs> Which role would you like to play? I would like to play Michael for the reason that there is no reason why Michael has to be male. No, I agree. At all. And also, I have the vocal range to play Michael. And I just think his character is great. And carry so much of it. But then at the same time, I'd love to play Chloe. Because mm-hmm. that kind of character is always really fun to play. And also the baby costume is just I don't the think funniest I thing ever. I you do this if you were Chloe. <laughs> I don't think I could. It's like, it's opening night, honey. I would so not have told you. Yeah. 
I definitely wouldn't be able to talk to you after. <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> Sleeping in a different room, I think, for a week. <laughs> Just to purge that. I, I, it, it's a great sequence, and I get why. Like, it's hilarious, and mm. I think... It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. And the reason I felt uncomfortable was because Grace Moe rocked it. Mm -hmm. You know, did what they were supposed to do. Amazing. I want to be the squip. Yeah. I knew that from the start. It was either going to be squip or rich. I want to be squip Mm -hmm. all the way. I was never going to be rich. No. Never going to be rich. I don't like the lisp bit at the end. Okay. I understand why it happens, but I don't like it. It's it's like we spoke about with Cinderella. It's it triggers too many laughs, and I don't. Yeah. I don't like that. Definitely. I understand something has to happen because the script needed to improve him. I don't like that. I just mm-hmm. it is it, not something I want to do. I, if it wasn't going to be the script, then I would want to be Jeremy. Yeah. Or Michael, you know. Or anyone. I, <laughs> anyone. I've aged into Mr. A's. I could be the dad character. I've aged into that pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'd shave my head for it. But the squip is such a great character. And yeah. I just love, you know, the kind of gravitas you have to bring to that role. Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah, the squip absolutely is who I would want to play. We had a few responses on Twitter for people who'd seen B-Module. We didn't put out a conventional poll the way we have done. Uh, but we got a few responses to us tweeting that we were at the theatre. I just thought I would just share. Yeah. At Not Just Any Pod said, I have some nostalgia for Be More Chill because it is one of the few plays that began in New Jersey where I live. And I totally remember being able to see it. Mm-hmm. I knew about it before it was cool, and the musical is great. And I think that's right. That is something that's quite interesting. You know, it's, you know, where were you when this band came out? Where you know you were one of the first people to know about it before that. That's very cool. At Reese Degnan, I hope you enjoy. It. I got to see it right before lockdown started last year and had a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. And Ethan uh, from the Best Film Ever podcast at Star Munch Jones, you guys will love it. Thankfully got to see it a few days before the West End shot last year. Was lucky enough to meet some of the cast before stage dooring was banned. Which is very, very cool. Because I'm pretty certain that that is Rich and Michael that we saw. It's Rich and Jeremy. Rich and Jeremy. There we go. So yeah, very, very cool. What was your star rating for this one? Five. Same five stars. It was just incredible. And it's it's a very strict 10-week run. Mm-hmm. And it ends in September. Yeah. If you have a chance to see it before it closes, you should. Can we go and see it again, please? Maybe. If you get a chance to go see it before it closes, you should. Mm-hmm. But I hope that this production of it is maybe enough that it gets a more permanent residence on the West End. Mm-hmm. I think it would rock in the Galegood Theatre. I don't know what's currently housed there, but I think this is a special musical. Mm. I wish this musical existed when I was a kid growing up. Yeah, it definitely is like a really good coming of age. Well, we were talking about during the interval, it's like when you were a teenager, if somebody had offered you a squip, would you have taken it? Yeah. Yeah, probably. And it's not like I was Jeremy. I, I was very lucky. You know, I, I did well, I was getting good grades, I had a good group of friends. Mm. Maybe more college, university age, I'd have taken it. 
Yeah. But as an idea, as a concept, if you were told this could solve your problems and make you a better version of you, even just in the aspect of, I want to go for a run today, this yeah. could make me. Humans are always looking for a better way to improve themselves. And also we live in an age of instant gratification. So this is the ultimate instant gratification. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love this though. I, I think it's just incredible. And I do think you could film this. You mm-hmm. could have a film version of Be More Chill. Not that every musical needs to have a film version. But you know who they cast as his dad? James Corden. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cry. I I just think there's something, there's so much potential with this one though. Like as a film, yeah. you could see it done very, very well. I don't know who the cast is. You know, Tom Holland cast as Jeremy. Cast. <laughs> no, God, no. No, you're right. Cast this cast. They would be amazing on film doing mm. this. But it's got that potential and it is a show you should endeavour to see wherever you are. If you get a chance to see Be More Chill, you should. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. What are we going to watch next week? So next week, you remember how much you loved Mamma Mia and yeah. Mamma Mia 2? Yeah. Well, we're going to watch a movie that wants to be those. Okay. And we're going to be watching Walking on Sunshine, which is, I think, our first big jukebox movie as in uses a whole bunch of different songs not all by the same artist yeah yeah okay it's good fun i can't say i'm interested i have to admit, i remember the trailers and i remember thinking that it looked like trash absolutely i cannot say i am that interested but who knows maybe this is one i'll enjoy as we enjoy hopefully some sunshine in the uk you'll definitely enjoy the songs it's full of throwbacks that you're gonna love got a bit of madonna banana rama whitney okay we love it not really selling me but i'm so excited <laughs> we will see next week when we cover walking on sunshine yes indeed and as always you can get yourself involved in the conversation over on twitter and instagram at it's a musical pod let us know your thoughts have you been to see be more chill what did you think about it? Has listening to us talk about Be More Chill convinced you to go and see it? What are your thoughts on Walking on Sunshine? Will I hate this one? Will I love this one? Get involved in the conversation. We love hearing your thoughts and feedback. Mm-hmm. And as always, you can find us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on the Amazon Music app under podcasts. We are on Stitcher. And of course, you can find everything on our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you like this episode, if you like what we do, head on over to podchaser.com or go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review and tell us what you loved about this show and help make our day. We'll be back next week. I don't know if I'll be walking on sunshine so much so I might be hiding from the sun my little parasol trying to avoid it. <laughs> Tune in to find out. We'll see you next week. Same bat place, same bat channel. And as usual, have a magical musical Monday.